Welcome everybody. I'm glad everybody's out today. My name is Gary. Uh, we are in the middle of a series looking at lessons from the life of Daniel entitled Thriving in Babylon. I began the series two weeks ago and Alan, one of our other elders here, continued it last week and I'll be here for another two weeks and then uh, the other elder, Tim, will be back in November. So uh, if you don't like what you hear, just wait and Tim will be back. That's all I can tell you about that. But guys, this is a, this has been a very interesting, a very cool study. Recently, Tim did a lesson on the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. And we talked extensively at that time about how these stories were written. Specifically, it says this in 1 Corinthians 10, also in Romans chapter 15, that these stories were written for our learning and our warning and so that we could have encouragement and we could have hope. These stories are written specifically for us to learn from. And as we look at the life of Daniel, uh, it is a very exciting, intriguing life. He was a man who had a lot of things stacked against him as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he was a captive. His nation, the nation of Israel, had been overran by the Babylonians, had been conquered by the Babylonians. And him as a member of the royal family or the nobles of the nation uh, was a young man potentially around the age of 14 who was taken captive and was selected because he was smart, good-looking, and from the right family. Okay, And what this selection gave him is he was going to serve King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And what that required of him was to go through an intensive training. And in all likelihood, he was made a eunuch. Okay? He was castrated. He lived the rest of his life in a foreign country. And to me, when I look at that, it's a horrible way to start your adult life in a foreign country as a captive, serving this king that conquered your nation that has taken your manhood away. But the stories you see of Daniel in, in the book of Daniel are stories we're still telling today. Because he thrived in Babylon. Now, he didn't thrive, he didn't have success the way we would define success here in America. And that's the reason we like to look at him, because he thrived as a servant of God. Okay? He represented, though he worked for a king, he represented the king. And he did it extremely, extremely well. And you see, like Daniel, we are representatives today of the King. His name is Jesus. And we are here to represent His interests in a land that is evil. Okay? By and large, when you, when you go out into the world and you go through your daily lives, most of the people are not that you encounter and most of the situations you encounter are not people trying to live for Jesus. And a lot of those that claim that they are, don't. Is that fair? And so we are forced to, to, to deal with situations that we don't want to have to deal with. And Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is how we know them, they were incredibly successful. They faced difficult situation after difficult situation in circumstances that I would not want to be in, and they thrived. They succeeded. And today we're going to be looking at one of those situations that happens in Daniel chapter 2. Alright, and we're going to be reading about it here in a minute. Um, 
but I've entitled the lesson when bad things happen. What do you do when bad things happen? If you look at the first verse in your notes, it says, So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death. And men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. That's a bad thing that happens. Anybody have anything bad happen this week? Anything, anybody have, have anything happen that bad? I'm guessing not or you wouldn't be here. And guys, when we, when we talk about bad things happening, I think you have to qualify what bad really is. Okay? Because sometimes you, you, you're talking to somebody and, oh, things are bad. Okay? I'm not talking about the Cardinals going to Washington being down 0-2 in the playoffs, okay? I'm not talking about that. That's bad, but that's not, that's not the kind of thing I'm talking about. I'm not even talking about being a Braves fan in the first inning of Game 5 last week. Okay? I know, we're having fun. Barb felt left out a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the Cubs and the Cardinals. I thought I'd include you, Barb. I'm not even talking about being a Cubs fan that didn't make the playoffs and has to live around Cardinal territory for another year. Okay? I'm not, I'm not talking about little things. I'm not talking about things you just don't like. We're going to be talking about things that are literally beyond your control and impact your life in a major way. When Daniel and his friends have somebody show up and they are literally looking for them, rounding up the wise men of Babylon to kill them. And he doesn't even know why, as we're going to read about. You see, guys, bad things do happen that we don't have any control about. When you lose your job, or your income has changed drastically because of the decision of somebody else, that's a bad thing that's happened. Guys, when a relationship ends, when you go to the doctor and find out you have a disease that is uncurable, that they can only manage for the rest of your life. And it's beyond your control. It's nothing you did. When you're dealing with a difficult boss at work, you can't quit your job because you like to eat and so do your children. Because there's hard times. And so guys, what we want to talk about here is hard times. I want to read the whole story because I think it's significant. Uh, the, the passage is going to be on the screen if you want to follow along. I'm going to be, begin reading uh, some verses at the end of chapter 1 and then we're going to jump into chapter 2 and read the actual story. I'm reading the, the verses in chapter 1 because I want you folks to understand the background. Daniel and his three friends were chosen to serve the king, and they, chapter 1 ends, as you're going to hear, with them excelling, with them being recognized for who they are. It begins in verse 17, it says, To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, 
Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all of the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever! Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. It gets pretty specific there, doesn't it? But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more, they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, There is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great or mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. I'm not sure why he required that, but he did. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the King of Heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of Heaven and said, Praise be the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with Him. I thank 
and praise You, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of You. You have made known to us the dream of the King. I left out the part, I'm going to continue reading here in a minute, but I just want to tell you, I specifically left out the part of, of him telling, talking to the king and telling the king the dream and telling the king the interpretation of the dream because that's not what's significant to what we want to talk about today. Okay? And I want to jump down to verse 45 now in chapter 2, and this is what it says. It says, The great God has shown the king what, this is Daniel speaking, the great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries, for you are able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Guys, that's a fascinating story. I cannot imagine being faced with death one day and the next day essentially winning the lottery. Okay? The, the king wants to kill you one day and you're sentenced to death. That's literally what was going on. That Arioch, the guy who was in charge of all these, these, these men, was rounding them up to have them killed when Daniel first hears about it. And he turns this bad situation into a victory. He thrives in Babylon. And guys, when you look at this story, there's something to be learned. You see this passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I referenced it earlier. And I've included a few more verses with it. It says, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, it may seem like an odd passage to have in here. But you see, guys, I want to, there's, there's a premise that I'm, I'm going to, that's going to come out as I speak today. And that is when we are faced with bad situations, bad things happening, we are tempted to handle it in an ungodly way. Okay? And just like Daniel, it can go one or two ways. You see, I like to project me into these stories, okay? What would I think if I was in that situation? How would I feel if I was in that situation? Alright? And I don't know if anybody else is that way or not. I do that in movies. Uh, that's the way I am. 
And when I look at this story, I've got to ask myself, what would I think? What potentially might I feel? You know, when they showed up, and I'm a, I'm a per, I'll, I'll qualify this, I'm a person who struggled with depression in my past. When they showed up and said, hey, you're going to die, I might have said, oh, that's what I want. Okay? Or I might have looked at this and go, well, it's about time he cleans house of all these enchanters that don't know what they're doing. And this is God's way of, of cleaning house, and I'm just part of it, and, and just, just let it happen. I really would have, I mean, again, projecting my character into this, I really would have said, what? I can't do anything about this. And guys, these, this is just the way I, I, I view it. And so guys, when we look at this story, we can see how Daniel handled the situation. What did he do when something bad came up? And we can apply those principles and do the same thing. See? I handle bad things happening when I like Daniel, number one, I realize and accept that bad things happen. I realize and accept that bad things happen. I have a, uh, I work with the middle schoolers some here at the church. And uh, a few years ago I was talking to them and we were talking about uh, the story of creation and the story of Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden and sin entering, and entering the world. And uh, I came up with a phrase that I think is, I think is accurate. You know, I paraphrased, which means I put it in my own words, uh, Genesis chapter 3 where God is talking to Adam and Eve and giving them pronouncing punishment for their sin. Okay? And the punishment we are still under today. And the punishment is this. Life's hard and then you die. Okay? And you can substitute any word you want for hard, but I was dealing with middle schoolers, so I used the word life's hard. Because that is the truth when you look at that. That's what God tells Adam and Eve. Woman, your, your pains of childbirth are going to be greatly increased. Woman, there's going to be conflict between you and your husband. Man, you're going to have to work for your food now. Work to survive. And not only are you going to have to work and you're going to sweat, but the ground, the earth is going to fight you. It's going to resist you. You're going to try to grow crops and it's going to produce weeds. And then you're going to die. That part's pretty clear, right? And guys, th that is the way it is. If you go on, look at these three passages here. i got three of them here just to emphasize my point. The first one's in John chapter 16 and verse 33. This is what Jesus says. He says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 13, this is what Paul tells Timothy. He says, You, however, know, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, persecution, sufferings, and what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 
while evildoers and impostors go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Everyone who wants to live, let me get it right, who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. See guys, following Jesus is not a cakewalk. If you've got the idea that being a Christian and trying to follow Jesus is going to make everything peachy and keen, you're missing the boat. If you think that you're going to go through life having the ideal job and the ideal income and the ideal relationship with a man or woman, in you know, depending on what you are, and your kids are going to be great and there's never going to be any trouble, you're wrong. You're going to be severely disappointed. And I don't think you have to look very far around yourself to, to see this. This is the reality of living in a broken world. Bad things happen. Jesus went on in Matthew chapter 13, and this is what He says. In verse 21, this is what's commonly known as the parable of the soils. He's explaining the parable to His disciples, and when He's explaining the rocky soil to them, He says, when trouble or persecution comes because of the Word, they quickly fall away. Notice his use of the word when instead of if. Guys, difficult times should be expected. And a side note on this, I don't have time to get into this, I could teach a whole lesson on this, but God uses hard times to train me. You know that? Go look at Hebrews chapter 12 on your own this afternoon and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. He says, endure hardship as discipline or training, for God is treating you as a son. Difficult times are to be expected. And the sooner you realize that, it'll help you to face them faithfully. Because as we read earlier, God has provided a way out for you in those situations. Alright? That's the first thing. Second thing, is I seek the King's instructions. I seek the king's instructions. This is what it says. Daniel finds out about this death sentence that he has, and there's no appeals, appeal process set up. It says in Daniel chapter 2, this is what it says. It says, Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Guys, literally, we're saying, seek Jesus' answer to the situation. Ask Jesus what you are supposed to do. Guys, I say that. We used to be a uh, around here, Greater Alton, we used to emphasize seeking advice. Okay? And the, the advice is a wonderful thing. I do believe the Bible speaks highly of it, but I do believe that I would rather seek God than seek advice of man. Okay? 
I want to enlist those closest with me to seek answers from God and not from my, not from them. And guys, that's what you see going on. Guys, literally what you're asking is to ask God to do what only He can do. Ask God what only He can do. Clearly, in this situation, that is what Daniel is doing. Even the, 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 uh, the other wise men, the other astrologers that originally heard the king's request, they recognized this. It's, it's kind of ironic. In chapter 2 and verse 11, it says, no one can reveal it to the king except the gods. And they do not live among humans. Guys, Daniel is recognizing his only help in the situation has to come from God. And guys, if that's the first place you turn, God has promised to answer you. And that is, that, that, that is awesome. This, I don't know if He's going to give you a vision like this. Can't tell you. Don't know what your problem is, but I believe He will give you an answer. In Matthew 7, Jesus promised that. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Guys, ask God what only He can do. We had a situation like that. I, I, I'm not privileged to tell you about it, but I can tell you that Thursday night, my wife and I were concerned about something. And as we looked at it, we did not know what to do. And so we prayed about it. And I prayed very specifically, God, do what only You can do. I don't know what. If You want us to do something, show us. But do what only You can do. And in about 12 hours, something happened that we could not have orchestrated. We could not have made it happen. Guys, is that your approach when bad things happen? Do you answer literally, God, do what only You can do. I've told you before, I've, you know, uh, my wife and I, we own car washes. That's how we earn a living. And uh, people ask, how'd you get into car washes? You know, most people get into car washes have a pile of money. That's not how we got into car washes. <laughs> okay, we had no money when we got into car washes. But what we had was my failing health. I was in, I was in auto glass business and I could not deal with the summer heat and the, uh, and, and the sun and, and, I still can't. It got, it's only gotten worse. And we did not do any research into, into uh, car washes or other ways to make money. Uh, it was a process. But that's literally, that was our prayer. God, I mean, my prayer was, God, I don't know what to do. I'm going to keep doing this as long as I can, but I do not know what to do. And God spoke the day that I told my wife about the first car wash being up for auction and she said, we should buy it. You see, because when my wife agrees with me, God is speaking. Okay? And I, I don't... I don't I, I, that's funny. I know I get that. But, you know, if you're married, you understand it's not a natural process for husband and wife to agree about a lot of things. And I'm not saying that as mockery to my wife. I'm, it's just reality. Okay? When we agree like that, I don't... You know, I've told you that some of this 
some some of you this before, but you know, uh, uh, the the last car wash we bought, she was opposed to it, and she told me very firmly she was opposed to it. And when God finally spoke to her and she agreed to it, she told my son, "Your daddy knows how to work me." Guys, God makes it plain. What can only you do, God? What can only you do? That the, after you accept the bad things happen, guys, you need to seek the king's instruction. The third thing is, I reaffirm my allegiance. Guys, I spoke about this last week or two weeks ago when I talked about Daniel and we looked at him, and the main point about him is he was allegiant to the king. He served in the courts of a physical king, but he served the God of heaven who was the king. And that is who he was allegiant to. And guys, I want to tell you, difficult times will test your allegiance to Jesus. That's what we just read about. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 13 in verse 21 where He's talking about the rocky soil. And He said when persecution comes because of the Word, See guys, when difficult things happen, your commitment to following Jesus is tested. And you have the opportunity to do one of two things. Either one, deny Him. Or two, reveal Him to the world. See, because that's what happens here with Daniel. He went from a death sentence to Nebuchadnezzar praising his God and recognizing God for who He is and what He's done. And we're going to read about that here in a second. Because that's the choice that you have. And so when you're facing difficult times, the first thing you need to do is recommit that Jesus, You're my Lord. And what does that mean, Jesus? I want to represent You in this situation. I want to do what You want me to do. Guys, we see it illustrated or or, or an example for us in Jesus' own life where He's facing the cross. The most difficult thing that... more, More difficult than any of us will ever face. And He asked God three times to take it away from Him and then He finally says, nevertheless, not My will, but Yours be done. See guys, when you're facing hard times and you want to thrive in hard times, you need to recommit your allegiance to Jesus. And you need to do that in, while you're praying, while you're seeking that out. See, most of the time, I told you earlier, I struggled, struggled with depression for, for a large chunk of my life. And you know what I prayed during difficult times as a, hard per, as a depressed person? You know what my prayer was? Take it away. Make it disappear. Make it all better. That didn't change till I started saying, Jesus, your Lord, whatever you want, shape me during this situation. Reaffirm your allegiance. The fourth thing, guys, you need to do is I need to verbally praise God. Verbally acknowledge God for who He is. How much do you praise God? I mean, how much do you actually say those words? 
Okay? Or, or even other words, man, God's awesome. God's good. I say that several years ago, uh, I heard a preacher talking and uh, he'd been, been at a, a rather conservative church. Uh, and he had used the phrase, praise God and praise the Lord. I forget which it was. And, you know, afterwards, one of the elders come up to him and said, excuse me, but we don't praise the Lord in this church. Yeah, that sounds crazy, doesn't it? And there, there, there's a backstory to that of why they don't use that particular phrase because other denominations do and they don't want to be associated with it. It's crazy. I agree. Guys, how many of that could be said of each of us individually? I don't praise God. And you don't say that verbally. You say that by not praising God. Okay? And that's why I'm bringing it up. Because difficult times are times to praise God. Look at this passage here in Daniel chapter 2. We have two passages I'm going to read. Daniel chapter 2, verses 19-20. through 20, And then... Uh, at the end. It says, During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. And if you read through that story, and I really recommend you do, you, you go home this week sometime and you read through Daniel too, and you'll just see how much Daniel praised God. Even when he gets before King Nebuchadnezzar, and King Nebuchadnezzar asks him about revealing the dream, and he goes, I can't do it. God's the only one that can reveal dreams. He's pointing to God constantly and what God can do. And this is, this is the result in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 47. It says, The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. Guys, there was a constant praising of God going on. So if you want to be faithful during difficult times, and you want to know how to handle difficult times, one of the things is you've got to praise God. The last thing, guys, that needs to happen is you need to act on the king's instructions. If Jesus has promised if you seek, you'll find. If you ask, it'll be given. And you ask Him for how do I deal with this situation? And He gives you an answer. How foolish would it be for you not to act on what He says? Well, I can tell you how foolish it is. There's a passage in, in James chapter 1 uh, that gives us this. And yeah, I'm out of order up there, son. The last verse. James chapter 1, verses 22-25, through it says, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. 
Guys, asking God for wisdom, asking God for an answer in a bad situation, and then not acting on what He says is just foolish. You can expect for your bad times to go worse if you're not willing to do what God tells you to do during the situation. Again, I like to project myself into the story, as I said. And uh, i got to wonder, you know, what were Daniel's options? Sometimes we read the Bible, and we read a story like this, and we, we look at these men and women as robots. You know, Omos, it was easy. Oh, God said it. I'll go do it. Here's what I do. And they have a smile on their face, and there was never any doubts. Yet the Bible tells us they were human, just like us. So they're going to have feelings. They're going to have emotions. I mean, what it would be like to stand before the king and say, give me some more time when the king has already said to the other guys, I'm not giving you any time. Uh, I'm a little afraid of that. But I guess it didn't matter because he's going to die. If Either way. But guys, I project myself into the situation. And my situation is this. Here's, here's, here's Gary's thought process in the situation. All right, I'm Daniel. I'm in this situation. I've prayed. God's given me the answer. Now what happens if I don't go tell the king his dream? I die. I get out of the circumstances that I don't like. Okay? This is me speaking. You know what else happens? I get to kill all the evil sorcerers as well. I may even think that I'm acting on God's behalf because I'm wiping out all these evil people for the King. I mean, I'm sacrificing myself for the greater good. See guys, that's what's going to happen if he does nothing. If he either doesn't ask God, or once God tells him, he does nothing about it. Guys, God expects truth. God expects you to act. And here's the truth of the matter. I said earlier that God uses bad times to shape you. I, I can almost promise you, during most difficult times, your character is going to be challenged. You're going to be challenged to be a certain way that you're not now. To do things that you're not comfortable doing. And the truth of the matter is, is that God's far more concerned with your character than He is your circumstances. He's more concerned with shaping you through the difficult time than He is with the difficult time ending. Guys, that's our lesson for today. I don't know where you are. I don't know what difficult times you're having. I hope you can look at one of those five things and say, wow, I need to do that. Some of you may be sitting here right now and you may have something that God's already shown you in your marriage or in your job or in your parenting. And you say, I need to do that. I've been resisting doing that. You can see very clearly that God has given you something to do and it's going to cause you to be more faithful and less fearful. Some of you may be looking at this and be facing a difficult situation and be saying, I've not really asked God what He wants in this situation. I've not really acknowledged 
that God can do what only He can do. It's my prayer as we end that you look at some of, something in there and say, I need to act on this. Let's go to our Father in prayer and we'll be done. Father, it is great to know that You are real. It is awesome to ask You and to watch You act. Father, I stand before You knowing that what we read about in this story of Daniel is not a one-off from You. Father, this is who You are. And this is what You want to do in our lives. And when we face difficult times, You are giving us an opportunity to see You more clearly, to glorify and to praise You by our actions and by our words. Father, we're going to face difficult times. I pray we understand that and we learn to acknowledge You and to look forward to what You can do. Father, I'm going to say it. It's difficult to do. But Father, I pray we can learn to almost have this this excitement on our voice at what You're going to do when we face a bad time. When we face something difficult. Father, You are God. You are the King of kings. And You have saved us not so that we can just escape this world, but that we can overcome it the way Jesus did. Father, I ask You to open our eyes, move us to act the way Daniel did. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.